What's up, good people? Listen, what's up, gang? I'm so glad that you were here. It is Tuesday, so you already know what time it is. Welcome back to TNL. I'm so excited that you're here. Listen, we have been in a pretty dope series the last few weeks. Wouldn't you agree? This series that we've titled Holding On to Hope. I hope this entire month, I hope this entire year, the one thing that you're grabbing hold of, the one thing that you're clinging on to is hope. No matter what you're up against, no matter what you face, don't let go of your hope. That is the series that we've been in. I pray that this series has allowed you to step into spaces where you've been able to discover and rediscover your newfound hope and not just discover it, but that you've been holding on to it. The last couple of weeks, we've been uh, unpacking and, and, and dissecting what it means to have hope and, and what it means to measure hope and what hope ought to look like and how hope even challenges us even in difficult and perplexing situations. Last week, we learned about the great treasure within and how God will use the painful things in our lives and the painful moments in our lives to bring a, about a great purpose for our lives. We talked about last week how brokenness leads to breakthrough. We also talked about how pain is a great refiner for us and that the purpose of pain isn't to leave us broken and perplexed, but the purpose of pain is to refine us. Some of our, if even if you think about it real quick, some of our greatest records, some of the greatest songs that you ever listen to, you pop in your headphones, you listen to in the car, some of the greatest records, some of the greatest music of all time that we've ever heard came from a painful place. Think about the late, great Miss Whitney Houston. Of course, this record was, was written by Miss Dolly Parton, but I will always love you. Think about this. Think about those words just for a minute. If I could stay, I would only be in your way. So I'll go, but I know I'll think of you every step of the way. Listen, that's that's some pain right there. Listen, and, and pain produces something in us um, and it produces something out of us that oftentimes only pain is able to to do, especially when we aren't at a place, maybe you're a little bit stubborn like me, when we aren't at a place where we're readily available to give God our surrender and our yes. Sometimes God has to take us through the roundabout like God did the Israelites because of a lack of obedience or even just stubborn personality. So listen, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to carry on about last week's lesson. We've already done it. It is behind us now. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I want to encourage you, listen, go back, go back and check out this series so far. Start from week one, check out last week. Let this thing just uh, resonate and bless you and bless your life. So if you haven't had a chance, go back and check out last week, the week before of our Holding On To Hope series. It is on our Fresh Bar podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. And it is also on our Facebook page as well. So let's pray and let's jump right in into our brand new conversation tonight. The topic of that is called the gift called grace. It's a lot right there. The gift called grace, the gift called grace, the gift called grace. Let us pray. God, we thank you for being awesome and amazing. We thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for the beauty. We thank you for your majesty. We thank you for your holiness. God, we thank you for your love and your mercy toward us. Bless this time that we will share together. Bless your people, oh God. Bless us to not just be hearers of your word, oh God, but to step into the spaces of doing. God, we thank you for what you're doing in us. We thank you for what you've done in us. God, we thank you for what you're bringing for what you're molding, what you're shaping. But God, we 
thank you for this hope that we have to hold on to, even at times when we feel like we are at the end of our rope. Bless every person that will hear this live stream. Bless their homes, bless their jobs, bless their going out, bless their coming in in a mighty way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So the gift called grace is the title of our lesson tonight this gift called grace we want to just give credit and honor and for the sake of integrity we thank god for uh, pastor tony evans who spoke about this this gift called grace and begin to unpack this thing for us and and i just want to just mention real quick that oftentimes we we look for ways to uh, develop and provide our own understanding for what grace is in our lives and we we do that by attempting to uh, uh, to provide that which only God can provide in the first place. We look for ways to try to play God. We look for ways to try to placate God. Uh, and when the reality is it is only God and God alone that is able to do this grace work and this great work, the great work of grace in our lives. We, we often will question why things are happening in our lives. Why this? Why that? Why me? Why did I have to go through that? Why did I have to endure this? But here it is now because we receive the great benefits of grace when we choose to surrender to the plan of God and cooperate with God's provision. And that is where we find grace in us. That is where we find the gift of God's grace also to us. We To receive this grace, though, uh, requires more than just our surrender, but it's in, it's in us wanting to operate and receive God's grace that also requires trust. We've got to trust that God knows better than we do. We've got to trust that God has a better plan than even we could think or imagine for our own lives. And so in order for us to build this trust in God, where we're able to be recipients of this gift called grace from God, it requires us to let go of our own perception. We've got to let go of our own personal and self-control. I don't, I don't know about you, but that's one of the things that I've wrestled with in my own life is I've got my own plan. I've got my own ideas. I've got my own agenda. This is supposed to happen by this time. And that is supposed to happen by this. And I'm supposed to be here by this age. And I need to accomplish this before this can happen. We, we've got to relinquish control in order to receive God's grace for our lives. We've got to let God uh, not only prove that God is trustworthy, but we've got to be willing to allow that trust to even be built. And when we do this, that then and only then, we will discover God's grace for our lives. We'll discover God's peace for us. We'll discover God's power in our lives as well. The best example that I can think of that has been used to describe this are diamonds. Think about diamonds now. Diamonds are one of those things that people look at. Um, people are chasing diamonds. They're chasing diamonds because it's, it's beauty, it's radiance, it's 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 resiliency, the the brightness and the brilliance of a diamond. But but did you know that diamonds are formed out of pressure by being in a dark space? Diamonds are only able to be able to develop and shine in its resiliency and brilliancy uh, as it is pressured in a dark environment. We all we all want the diamond, don't we? We all want the diamond, but oftentimes we don't want to go through the process that builds the diamond. It's, it's a process to diamond building. Yet from God's point of view, this process is one of the ways that God begins to build us uh, is, is often through experiences that may look bleak, that may look dark. 
I know you've heard the term diamond in the rough. It, it's the diamond that comes out of, out of the dirt, out of the ground, out of the darkness, out of the mud, out of the miry clay. And once it comes out and it's dusted off and you blow the, you blow the residue and you blow off the mud and the dirt that you begin to see the beauty, the beauty of this diamond, this diamond in the rough. Second Corinthians puts it like this in second Corinthians chapter 12, verses seven to 10. I want you to read it whenever you get a chance. I'm going to read it really quickly, but I want you to, want you to hide this, this, this passage in your heart, because I believe that it not only speaks to the grace of God, but it even answers some questions for us as to why we need God's grace in the first place. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 10, that because of the extraordinary greatness of the revelations, and for this very reason alone, to keep me from exalting myself, that there has been a thorn that has been given to my flesh. And these are the words of Paul that Paul is speaking, uh, but, but the word of God responds and says that, listen, uh, Paul says that I prayed for God to remove this thorn from me. And I didn't just ask God to remove it one time and went on about my life. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, that I asked God to remove this thorn in my flesh. I asked God to move it three times. I believe it's the new King, uh, the King James translation that says thrice. Three times I cried unto the Lord. In other words, Paul pleaded to God for God to remove this thorn. But God responded by saying, I won't remove the thorn, Paul. But here is what I need you to understand, that my grace is sufficient for my power is perfected in weakness. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 10. And I want you to think about this for just a moment. How might our pain actually be a part of God's grace? What is, what is Paul talking about? He asked God to remove this thorn. And instead of God removing the thorn, God is going to respond by saying, I'm not going to remove the thorn, Paul, but I will give you grace, my grace that is sufficient. And what I've discovered is that uh, out of our pain, although God won't remove the pain, although God may not remove the pain, God may not remove the thorn that we're up against, but the Bible says that instead I have given you grace. And what we got to understand that uh, our, our pain may actually be an act of God's grace to us because of what is produced in us. I realize a lot of a lot of my speech this year has been about what is what is in us, what has been stirred up, what has been produced, what has been birthed, not around us, but in us. God in this season is trying to get us to the place of producing what has been inside of us. And if we don't have a thorn, then we'll never experience the grace of God, the grace that will carry us with and through the the, the valley carrying the thorn that 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 may be in our flesh. And God says that I won't remove that thing because I need you to understand that I'm even going to use that. I'm going to use this. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use the pain. I'm going to use the thorn to produce something greater than what you're up against in and through you. But I've got to do it through you. I've got to do it through you uh, so that it can become contagious so that you now, once it's done in you, it will come out of you and will then begin to spew to spew onto everyone and everything around you. I want to give you this first point. And this first point tonight is the melting pot of pain. 
the melting pot of pain. I need you to understand that when grace gets mixed with pain, something begins to happen. When you're up against something that you can't come out of on your own, when you're faced with a difficult decision that you don't have an answer for by yourself, when your back has been filling up against the wall, uh, that is a painful place to be in. But the Bible says now that God's grace is sufficient. And so something happens now when, when grace is applied to pain. I know you got pain, but but the pressure and the remedy for the pain is going to be some grace. God, God is going to stir and mix in some grace. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians, I know you've got some pain. I know you've got a thorn, but I'm now going to produce now something through you called grace. And that's the melting pot of pain, that pain can't exist in a pot all by itself for the children and the people of God. But for the people and the children of God, God will add this thing called grace, which is an ingredient needed. It is necessary when we're up against this thing called pain. And what grace does for us when we are feeling a sense of pain, grace produces power. I want you to get this. Grace produces power. Pain in and of itself cannot produce power. Hear me. Pain all by itself doesn't produce anything but pain. But when pain mixed with a little bit of grace gets mixed in, this thing called power becomes a lie. In fact, when pain isn't mixed with grace, uh, then, then there really is no surrender to God. We we really don't surrender to God's will when because we don't recognize God's grace in our pain. But when we arrive at a place of pain, when the pain has become unbearable, when when we know better than, 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 than try to figure it out on our own, we will surrender our thorn. We will surrender our pain to God. And that is when God's grace is now able to be activated and is able to be an active ingredient uh, in this place called pain. And now what once existed in this place called pain all by itself now has become a melting pot because of the ingredient called grace that has been added to the place of our pain. And don't you know that whenever you begin to add ingredients into a pot that the, uh, the, 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 the contents of what you have poured in, once they begin to solidify and come together, the entire contents changes. That's what happens to our pain. That's what happens to our pain that when, when, when pain all by itself doesn't produce anything. But but when you add a little bit of grace to the place of pain, it then produces this thing called power. And power produces something even greater than our pain. Power produces something even greater than our pain. Paul tells us that God's power is perfected in our weakness. In other words, God's power becomes real when we are weak. God's power becomes activated. God's power becomes sufficient. God's power becomes more than enough. God's power surpasses our pain when we recognize that we are weak and we need God to be our strength and we need God to be our grace. I want to I want to I want to I want to camp here just for a real quick hot minute because our our culture our society has taught us and convinced us that only the strong survive. 
uh, that weak really isn't a good trait to have. Being 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 weak uh, can be can be a sign for the adversary to want to come and see you as a weak being. Uh, but show no show no kindness, right? Because kindness can be looked at as weakness. That is what the enemy will try to convince us, and that is what culture uh, has tried to tell us. The adversary tries to deceive us into pushing a different agenda. But I want you to understand that what the enemy is pushing this different agenda is to deceive us and to get us to think that I got to operate this whole other way with strength, even in moments when I'm human and I really know I need God because I'm feeling a little bit weak. But 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 but, but what, what, what society has told us, what the enemy has told us is that no, only the strong survive. You you dare not better, you, you, de you better dare not utter the words that you're feeling a little bit weak. But the Bible says that it's in our weakness that God is made strong and that God's power is purposed and perfected in and through us. Don't you dare continue to walk around feeling as though you can't have moments where you're feeling pain, where you can't have moments where you're experiencing uh, a little bit of depletion, where you are feeling a little bit fatigued and weak. Those are the moments that God is saying, please look to the hills from which cometh your help because in your weakness, I'm going to make you strong. But you got to understand this melting pot now. You've got you to be willing to surrender and say, okay, God, I'm going to let you have your way and do whatever it is that you need to do. Because I understand that in my weakness, something else comes with it. This thing called grace comes when I'm feeling a little bit weak, when, when I'm feeling a little bit distorted, when I'm feeling a little bit perplexed. But what the enemy will do, what the enemy has even created uh, some of the noise, some of the thoughts uh, that are so counterproductive to the call and the will of God in our lives is to create this sense of a counter argument that, that God's power is perfected in our weakness. But we've got to stand and believe the word of God tonight in 2 Corinthians that, uh, that, that it is God's grace that is sufficient for us, even in moments of weakness. The enemy tries to make God a lie, but I need you to understand tonight that God cannot lie. God just can't lie. In fact, God loves to use uh, our weakness as an opportunity to show his strength. God loves to use our weakness as an opportunity to show his strength and his power. And God God wants us to become uh, so, so relaxed in moments where we feel fatigued. God wants us to become uh, so comfortable in trusting his power, even in moments when we are feeling weak. And, 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 and in fact, the Bible says, uh, I believe it's Paul that puts it like this, that whatever I have found myself in, whatever situation, I have found myself and I've learned to be content. And so what that means, it means that I'm at ease uh, with where I am. I'm at ease with what I'm looking at because I know that in this place, I will meet God here in this place of weakness, in this place of contentment, in this place of feeling less than, in this place of feeling not enough. That is where God will find me. And although I'm feeling one thing, God's about to add some active ingredients to this melting pot and begin to 
stir things up. What, what once was just pain in the pot now becomes a melting pot of power because God is adding some ingredients. And one of one of the things that we really we really uh, are able to rely on is is a solid support system. In fact, um, uh, Pastor Pastor Tony Evans talked about this this support system having the benefits. What are the benefits of a healthy support system when when challenges in life appear uh, that require uh, our focus now? Uh, we've got to now focus on the sovereignty of God. And we do that by having a solid support system. Sometimes we will, when things aren't going the way that they should, we'll begin to isolate ourselves. We'll begin to, to, to hide ourselves. We'll begin to retreat. But what we've got to begin to do is we've got to look for people and places where God's grace is thriving. That's why it's so good to have people along this journey, along this walk with you that can speak life into you. Maybe that's a family member. Maybe that's your church. Uh, maybe maybe that's Pastor Laram when you happen on a Bible study. Maybe it's it's those people that God has surrounded you by uh, to be able to encourage you. And so you've got to be able to identify the people in your life that are able to lift you up, especially in moments where you're feeling a little bit weak. And not only just people, but also relying on the word of God the word of God, because it's God's word that will not only just reveal what we need, but also will reveal wisdom for us and connect us to the right people, the right places. Part of that, though, uh, leads us to this next thing, which is us operating in a place of purpose or us operating in a place of pride. And I just want to say really quick that humility comes at a cost. Humility comes at a cost, but not only does humility come at a cost, pride comes at a cost. Pride comes at a cost as well. We, uh, uh, what our culture calls trauma, setbacks, disappointments, difficulty, pain, and trials. The Bible now reveals to us that God will redeem all of those things that have been painful to us, and God will repurpose those things for his purpose. God will use your pain and repurpose it for a greater purpose. And so part of that challenge, though, was seeing that there is purpose in our pain, not becoming so prideful in it that we're in it longer than we really needed to be in the first place because of our pride. But we've got to understand that God is producing some purpose in and out of our pain, but we've got to be able to set our pride aside. Seeing our challenges from a kingdom perspective is what allows us to grow rather than being defeated by, by the hands of the enemy. No lesson in life was ever learned overnight. No lesson in life was ever learned uh, through, through, through something just quick, fast, and in a hurry. But it's the process of personal development that we, we gain the, the skills that we need, that we gain the benefits that we need, that we even gain the strength that we need. And that's in and through the process of pain. Because of this extraordinary greatness of the revelations, I said to myself that I was given a thorn in my flesh, 
the messenger of Satan began to taunt me, to keep me from exalting myself. But then the voice of God said to me that my grace is sufficient for you and that my power is perfected in your weakness. Man, that is so good. That is so good. Second Corinthians, that, that's some good, good stuff. Humility seems to be the virtue that we've lost today in our culture because we've got influencers. We've got um, people that struggle with narcissism narcissistic tendencies, people that look to exalt themselves, self-promotion, wanting to be this, wanting to be that. And Satan gains a lot of power over people that operate from a place of pride. Uh, and which is why Paul now said, I, I realize now that I've had this thorn. I needed this thorn because the thorn is what will keep me humble. If I didn't have the thorn, then I might seek to exalt myself. But I'm now wrestling with this thorn. But the thorn I can deal with. Why? Because God's grace is greater than the thorn. God's grace is more sufficient than the thorn. So, so we can't, we can't discount the thorn because it's purpose and promise in the thorn. God will repurpose the thorn for a greater purpose, the same way God repurposes the pain for a greater purpose. John, 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 16 puts it like this, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from God, but it's from the world. That's where pride comes from, not from God, but from the world, comes from the world. First Peter 5, verses 6 says, and God, but God will exalt you in due time. So you, in other words, you don't have to be prideful. You don't have to speed it up. You don't have to uh, be something that you aren't before God puts you there. God will do it. You don't have to let nobody know it. Listen, folk will see it. Your haters will see it. Your enemies will see it. And the people that God is calling you into, the realm where God is elevating you to, they will begin to see the gift as well. You don't, you don't gotta, you don't gotta blow it up. You don't gotta talk it up. Just continue to operate with the spirit and a sense of humility. That's all you've got to do because first Peter five and six says that God will exalt you at the right time. If you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, casting all your cares on God. Will you allow God to repurpose what you've gone through? Or will you continue just to operate with a sense of pride that God can't do anything with? That pride that belongs out in the world. It belongs out in the world. But purpose now, purpose belongs to God. And you find peace when you find purpose. You don't find peace when you find pride, but you find peace when you find purpose. Paul's temptation to pride, it came through his insight into spiritual matters. We we understand, we've got to understand that we, we this isn't a popularity contest. It isn't about who can pray the best, who can sing the best, who can preach the best, who's got the most likes, who's got the most followers. But what this thing is, that that's pride. This thing isn't about that. This thing is about purpose. It's about fulfilling the purpose of God in and on your life. And the enemy can't do anything with your purpose, but the enemy can work through this thing called pride. Pride is rooted in the enemy, but purpose is rooted, is rooted in God. Purpose is rooted, rooted in God. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 12 says that some people think they are wise, 
but there is more hope for a foolish person than it is for them. In other words, it, 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 for a, it's, it's a foolish person has more purpose. A foolish person has more potential, has more potential than, than the prideful person that thinks that they got it going on and can't nobody tell them nothing. Uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12 puts it like this. Let another individual praise you, not you praise yourself out of your own mouth. That's 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 the word of God tonight, folks. Proverbs 27, verse 2 says that. I'm, I promise I'm not making it up to let someone else exalt you. Let someone else speak highly of you that you don't have to do it yourself. God can use your pain to get us to purpose, but we will arrive at our destination and our destination. And when we arrive at the realization of this gift of grace, you don't have to be something that you aren't. You don't have to think more highly of yourself. God has given you grace. I know you've got some things that make you imperfect. I know you've got some challenges that oftentimes make you feel less than, but understand that you aren't anything but a child of God. You aren't anything but great because you've got the gift called grace that even though I've got some thorns, oh, but I've got a melting pot. And one of the ingredients is the melting pot is called grace. And God's grace is sufficient even than my thorn. God's grace is more sufficient even than my pain. I, I, the best way to, to, to explain this is what I want to leave you with this. The best way to even explain this is this, this, this idea of a pearl. Um, I know that the church mothers, like growing up at the ch at my home church, I would see the church mothers every Sunday. They'd have on a whole necklace, a whole necklace with pearls. They got it, got it wrapped around their wrist, got on pearl necklaces. But here, here's a few things that we may or may not know about how a pearl is even developed and produced. Did you know that pearls actually come from oysters in the ground? Yeah, pearls come from oysters in the ground. And here it is, though, that for a pearl to even be able to form, for a pearl to even form, the, the, the pearl starts when, when an irritant enters the oyster. An irritant enters this oyster, and because the oyster isn't un because the oyster is unable to remove this irritant that's entered into the oyster, it now developed. This oyster has developed this coping mechanism. This coping mechanism, and what what this coping mechanism is for the oyster is this increased level of secretion, and this secretion now has this name called nacre. And nacre is a this this material now which naturally begins to line the inner shell of oysters. And on its own, all by itself now, the nacre isn't valuable. But when the nacre comes in contact and begins to be uh, surrounded by the grit and the sand in the ground coming in contact with the oyster, it now develops into a pearl. The pearl doesn't start off as a pearl. But the pearl starts off as an irritant that came in contact with an oyster. Are you are you with me? Am I? Is anybody getting what I'm putting down tonight? Is anybody feeling encouraged that, listen, it might not have started as a pearl, but it started off as an irritant that entered into the oyster and the lining, the secretion now, once it comes in contact with this oyster and the sand in the sea, begins to develop all on its own this beautiful thing called a pearl all out of a all out of a mishap and an irritant because this oyster isn't able to fight off this molecule that is entered into the oyster
I want you to know tonight that you may be feeling like an oyster, but God is about to use the thing that has irritated you to secrete and birth something more valuable than you could ever even dream, imagine, or produce on your own. I'm, I'm talking to all of the pearls tonight. I'm talking to all of the diamonds in the rough tonight. I know it's been rough, but you about to shine bright. I know, I know it's been feeling like an oyster in a shell, but listen, God's about to use the sand. God's about to use the nacre and God's about to mix something up and develop something beautiful called a pearl. Oftentimes, when we're in the middle of the very thing that is causing us pain, that's causing us hurt, it's easy to fixate on the problem. But if you learn how to cope with the problem through God's grace, the grace that has been given to you, the grace that is sufficient for you, you can participate in the beauty that is beginning to form within, just like the pearl that has been, been irritated. James says this, consider it all joy. James chapter one, verse two to four. Consider it all joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you encounter trials and temptations, knowing that the testing now of your faith, it produces endurance. And let this endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect, mm. so that you may be complete. Mm. And so that you may lack nothing. Just like the irritant inside of a pearl, trials produces endurance and it gets us to a more fulfilled and whole life. God has a purpose for the pain that you've been experiencing. You must believe that truth in order to benefit from the pain that God has allowed in your life in order to get you to see the purpose and the grace that God is producing in and through your life. God may not remove the thorn because God didn't remove it from Paul, but you do have a choice with how you will respond to the thorn and the pain that you feel. Don't be surprised when testing and trials come among you because the trials are coming to make you strong. Paul suffered with this thorn in the flesh, but God had to remind Paul that he wouldn't remove the thorn because God reminded Paul that God's grace was sufficient for him. He reminded Paul that you're going to gain more supernatural power, more strength through this weakness and this thorn that you're feeling. God didn't remove the thorn. God didn't heal the hurt. Just like the irritant that remains in the oyster, once it comes in contact with the sand and the grit on the inside of the oyster, God said, I'm going to produce forward now something greater than your pain. That thing is called God's grace. We may never truly understand the real impact and the grace of God that we have access to and that we have even experienced in our own lives. God's grace is so undeserved. 
but God bestows it upon us. We'll never be able to run out of it, but we'll also never be able to have enough of it. Just like God never runs out of grace. He's got enough grace for you. He's got enough grace for your pain. He's got enough grace for me. Over the last year, one of the things that I've learned is that life gets tough. But what I've also discovered is that we don't have to bear it on our own because God has given us grace to make it through everything that we face. God's given us grace to make it through everything that we face. Thorns, once they've been mixed in and accompanied by God's grace, works for us. Will you let the thorn, will you let the pain work for you, not against you? In the same way that Paul did, in the same way that a thorn literally becomes an asset even though the thorn once felt like a liability. Once you mix, once you mix it with God's grace, then and only then, like the oyster that comes in contact with the nacre, that then comes in contact with the sand and the bottom of the sea that produces a priceless pearl. Let God take the thorn and let God mix in a little bit of grace to produce the priceless pearl and the beautiful bright diamond that you've been created to be. I thank you and I say a really great big God bless you tonight. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you will begin to embrace the thorns, all the thorns that you're currently experiencing. I'm praying for you, but I also believe that as I'm praying for you, that you even begin to pray for yourself. That you will begin to experience God, God's grace as you continue to uncover the thorns that God is about to use to turn what looked like pain into God's purpose, into God's power, to get you to God's promise in spite of the thorn and in spite of the weakness. As always, listen, be nothing but light, give nothing but life, and share nothing less than love. I love you, and as always, set some stuff on fire. I'm gonna see you next week.